Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Sequels are... At best, a mixed bag that seldom live up to the original and, in many cases, wind up actually diminishing the memory of what came before them. However, we've been on an odd run of follow-ups recently that have not only picked up a story decades later, but also managed to do it with some degree of delicacy and artistic flair. Which brings us to our subject tonight. In 1986, we thrilled the exploits of a fighter jock with a need for speed. 36 years and a conversion to alien worship later, and we're back to see what Pete Mitchell has been up to. Will he save the day? Will he run? Will we even still care? We find out in this episode 107. Talk to me, nostalgia. Top Gun Maverick. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is a person who was washed out of flight school by going ballistic on an admiral's bourbon cabinet. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and the best wingman anyone could ask for. I give you the man they call him. Talk to me, Goose. Talk to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, could he have said that anymore oh. in the freaking movie? And then when the kid said it, I'm like, oh. okay, all right, time out, time out. You, you kid, didn't earn it, all right? You have not earned it. <laughs> I almost stood up for my chair, except I was all, I was stuck to it by like three juju bees and a milk dud. <laughs> So, as we all know, like the theater experience is not what it used to be, and it was already pretty crappy. And now it's like, ain't nobody cleaning those theaters. They're not even cleaning them like nightly. It's like monthly now. So I mean, you go in there, like I don't know what the cleaning schedule is, but I mean, we went to this theater today, and I was like, it's pretty funky in here right now. Let me oh, tell boy. you. It's like, what other sort of movies are they running in here after they finish the first runs? Because it feels a little, a little grimier. <laughs> than what I'm accustomed to, shall we say. Oh, dear. Anyways, how are you doing, sir? I'm well. I'm doing well. Had a nice restful weekend and uh, got to take in some jazz on Saturday. Uh, Got to take in uh, Maverick today and had a great Father's Day. Uh, Yes, and actually a a happy Father's, happy belated Father's Day. Thank you, sir. sir. Thank Even though you. we texted, I feel like we ought to we ought to record this for posterity. Indeed, and any Happy Father's Day to you, sir. Oh, well, thank you. We actually had it. We actually had it in our minds that we might record on Father's Day, and I don't know what in the hell we were thinking. I said to my wife yesterday, "I'm like, I am in no mental space to prepare an outline or talk about anything. <laughs> just, I just want to take a nap on the couch." And you know what? I did. I did the same. I took. I, <laughs> I ate so much food for breakfast. It was oh like, my I, gosh, we went to a, we went to one of my favorite restaurants and I pretty much ordered every we ordered everything <laughs> except for thank you, please come again. Like that was the only thing we didn't get. My wife is like, I want two of these appetizers. And the waitress looks at us like with raised eyebrows like, are you? Are you sure? <laughs> and I'm looking at her like chickens and a coke. <laughs> damn near, That's sir. Right. Damn near. 
damn near. And I was like, okay, time out. I'm hungry, but let's 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 walk this back a little, shall we? Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. By the That's time awesome. I by the time we got home, I'm like, all right, it is nappy time. <laughs> That's yep. it. Oh yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. It, that it is was good a, stuff. It was a fantastic and and let's not forget. I I think we should we should as well acknowledge the the sacrifice that the man they call Tim is making here. He has had a even though he oh, had today geez. off, he was he 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 made his we both actually uh had had planned on seeing Top Gun Maverick a while ago and, and yeah. then both of us ended up seeing it this afternoon in true like idiotic <laughs> fashion like we're we're doing our homework late for the podcast we don't even cramming make money off for of. the show cramming for the show that makes us not even dollar one i mean nope. it, we're on brand at all times i just want people to know this but after after doing that watching top gun then going to top golf which yes. uh, is kind of baffling to me he then presided over his hoa meeting with an iron fist i imagine <laughs> just and and has come straight from there i imagine he's still wearing the the barrister uh robe and the and the wig that he yes. wears even though it's totally not required but he still does got it anyway baby you know it, it's it's a bit askew because he ran from you know the, the rec center <laughs> the middle of the, the, or do you just set it up in your in your living room and have uh, people come in and, oh, and offer it? Come on, man. It's down in the basement. I got a corner of the basement, so it's all mine. So I, I'm picturing like the Godfather's office. Like it's really <laughs> dark. People are walking in. It's your way, President. I ask for justice. Michael. <laughs> Santino. My boy. Look what they did to my boy. <laughs> my boy. That's oh, that's a lawn jockey, Tim. It's it's my boy. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's in the bourbon again. All right, smack him around. We need to finish this meeting. He's cut off. He's cut off. Oh, <laughs> the only, the only HOA meetings with an open bar, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it just makes me want to pick up and move to Chicago. Quite honestly, just to be able uh, to see one of these things. Oh, we take you. but we take you. Oh well, I'm I I would hope so. I would hope that I wouldn't have to grease too many palms. Being you know having it in with a prez, you know, Indeed. I would hope that I'd be able to get in there. Indeed. All right. Before we get into our main subject, though, we need to get into the weekend geek because uh, Tim is Tim is the man they call it. Tim has a loaded slate for us. Even though there's two items, they are they are uh, heavy hitters. So, what do you got for us here in the weekend geek? Week in so funky uh well my friend uh we have a couple items uh one is ghostbusters related one of them is wrestling related so oh. <laughs> two, the two ends of the spectrum ladies and gentlemen these are a few of my favorite things ah very nice very nice Thank the you. uh the ghostbusters one's kind of a just a quick uh you know uh did you know uh or or what's the nbc one uh uh the more now you know, know. The more you know, thank you. Uh, but basically, uh, this is from SlashFilm.com, which uh, was referencing back to a 2005 interview from NPR's Terry Gross uh, on As her usual, show. We're we're very timely. I love this. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, sl- here's this thing that happened like 15, it's 17 not years ago. Me, it's SlashFilm. They did it, and now I am simply parroting it. I'm, I'm I'm promoting their content, if you will. All right. I'm not sure if that makes it any better, but proceed. Well, uh, really. Really what it has to do with is uh, the impact that Harold Ramis had on the original Ghostbusters script, and uh, really the the 
the summary of the article is uh, when Gross asked Ramis about some of the changes he made, he, he went into some detail about how the original script had the story start where the Ghostbusters were already kind of an established thing in New York City. And there were there were lots of them. And he kind of compared it to like, you know, like the Orkin Man, you know, like they're they're, mm. they're just another kind of pest removal, you know, sort of service. And and he, he didn't feel that was right. Um, he, he thought that it might be a more interesting take for the audience, uh, you know, to, to, to see the process of how the Ghostbusters evolved, to see the idea of, you know, them starting as paranormal academics and kind of their first contact with the supernatural and, and kind of taking them from that skeptical place to, you know, see, you know, just kind of walking them into like the, the realm of, you know, if this were to happen, this is how it could be sort of thing. And, and taking them on, taking the audience on the trip with them. Uh, rather mm-hmm. than it, rather than coming into the story and having it just be a thing that the audience has to kind of just come into, you know, like like you know, cold turkey sort of thing. Yeah. So it was just kind of interesting to understand like how it was really his sort of brainchild to kind of you know take the concept of what they were doing and and really kind of tell an origin story through simplicity. You know, I mean, he he and, and this article kind of brings that out. And like, if you think of the first Star Wars film, it's it's you know, A New Hope is much simpler than the later ones. Same thing with Iron Man. Iron Man is a very when you really get down to it, Iron Man's a very simple film. You know, I mean, it's it's Tony Stark in a cave, Tony Stark out of the cave, mm-hmm. Tony Stark makes his you know suit, Tony Stark goes and beats up the bad guys. You know, um, but but it's an origin story, and it tells you know the evolution of a character through that origin, through that simplicity. And so I just thought mm. it was kind of interesting to hear that, you know, Ramus kind of applied a very similar concept to Ghostbusters where, where Ackroyd originally had them, uh, had them, you know, in, in the universe or, or in, re- in the reality of, of that universe, uh, doing their work, doing their thing, um, and, and trying to start the story there. And rather Ramus came along and, and turned it into an origin story where we kind of go along for the ride with them as they kind of uncover this, you know, supernatural thing going on in New York. So thought it was kind of cool and uh yeah that, that that's really the gist of it but wanted to get your thoughts on uh mr ramus's contributions well i mean first of all it makes a lot of sense that uh that harold would have to come in and kind of rein in mr Ackroyd because uh dan uh, big thinker shall we say uh famously <laughs> when he handed in the blues brothers script it was so thick that he actually took the cover of the of a phone directory and and used that as the cover for the oh, script because it was so thick because he had included like background story on all of the members of the band and and like dossiers on all of the stuff that was going on and 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 all these things um to the point where you know they there was a famous cut scene from blues brothers where when they park the car it was in this like uh electrical transformer shed and that was dan Aykroyd's explanation for how the car was able to do all these incredible things Mm. Uh, was because it had it had been it had been in this high voltage shed absorbing this radiation and electricity and all this stuff and i uh, what was it it was a john landis was the director of blues brothers right uh yes yep and he was like, that's great, Dan. Uh, if you want to go to every single theater for every single showing and explain that to them, that's fantastic. <laughs> However, it's just a magic car. It's just a magic car. It does the things because we say they do the things. Yeah. 
and that was the end of it. Um, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, I will say it it is interesting because I can see that story working from both perspectives because it really comes down to the telling that origin story, like you said, which in a way becomes much more character driven because you're you're focusing in on those characters and following them from right from the jump. Right. You know, uh, right. Or I mean, not from like the beginning of their lives, but, but the beginning of their lives in this story. And you kind of you get the traditional like you see the life before and then as as things develop and all that. But there also is this idea of, you know, just assuming the world and, mm-hmm. you know, in a way I, I can understand doing that as well. And I think one of the reasons why um one of the reasons why Iron Man was a very smart way to kind of kick off the MCU is because they didn't do a whole lot of assumption mm-hmm. of superheroes in that world. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't really concern us. They did. They, Like you say, it was a very simple story, and they focused in on that and kept a very tight lens on that. Very grounded. And, yeah, and, and mostly it was just because, like, if we can just get people to believe in this guy, okay, now we can move on to the next thing. Because it, it doesn't if, if this guy, if they don't believe in this guy, it doesn't matter what the next movie is going to be. And this is the thing that DC has infamously managed to just F up every single at every turn, every turn when they're making movies. They just don't focus on the on on that character. It's mm-hmm. always about what's coming next. Yeah. And, yeah. and that'll blow it every time. However, I would make an argument, uh, a, a slight disagreement with you in the example of episode four it, now true it is it is simple when compared to you know the the movies that follow it however it is actually an example of the assumption of that world you're tossed mm-hmm. into the <clears throat> the middle of that story literally because lucas had the backstory of how you know the first three episodes of this you know this saga were the prequel he already yeah. had that in mind so there really is this this presumption of okay this world exists and you're kind of starting at the beginning with these characters but this world as it is has existed and and has been going on for quite a long time before this so here you are boom catch up yeah you know and you can make that easier or or not easy depending on, you know, in some ways, like what the story dictates and also kind of how sadistic you are as a storyteller. Like there's Mm -hmm. definitely a, there's definitely in some cases, like there is some merit to like being kind of a little bit rough with the, with a reader or a viewer and just being like, no, come on. You know, you can't walk in this ride. You got to run. Come on. Hustle a little bit, work for it. And and yeah. to go along with it, and it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Um, I, I should qualify I, just real quick. I should qualify the simpler also in, in this article. What he was saying was keeping things simpler is a much easier way to connect with an audience than trying to establish a complex world. It is, and and also it's also cheaper. Indeed, because you you don't have to show all these other things, and and that's very important because Ghostbusters was not capital G Ghostbusters at that point. It was mm-hmm. this. It was this movie they were trying to, you know, to get off the ground. And famously, like, we're, we're desperate enough to get Bill Murray. They're like, hey, sure, we'll fund your vanity project. Just come and do this thing because we know that you're, you know, in the immortal words of Vince, you're going to draw me money. That's you know, right. Bill Murray is a name. He's we need another name. Um, and it and it worked. 
so yeah, no, I think it's it's great, and I think Harold is one of those. Harold Ramis was one of those guys that he was really funny, but also pragmatic. Yes, and he really yeah. he could really kind of see through those things, and some people just see how you know, almost like people who are really mechanically inclined, and they just look at an engine, and even though they might they might not be a car mechanic, they can look at an engine and go, okay, so this here, this here, this here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I think the problem might be over here. And sure enough, it's like, oh, yeah, that thing. How did you know that? Well, I mean, it just kind of follows that this is the way this works. And they can see that. And and some people see story and and story in a in a movie context or a book context or whatever. Man, they just have that engineer's mindset of being able to look at the problem and go, mm-hmm. oh, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I think it's over here. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's look at that area because I think that's where the problem is. Um, and and he seemed really good at that, and and a fantastic writer in and of it in his own right as well. Mm-hmm. So we have much to uh, thank Mr. Ramis for because yes, without indeed. his intellectual contributions, uh, we we may have had a very different Ghostbusters experience, which would have led to no sequel and no afterlife. Yeah, and and we would also have not had Caddyshack uh, mm-hmm. and Stripes, which yep. yep. Great argument to be made that those three movies right there, Ghostbusters, Caddyshack, and Stripes, three of the funniest movies ever made. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Give me the Billy Baroo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sergeant Hulka, you're our big toe. (laughs) Lighten up, Francis. Oh, boy. Uh, well, moving from the world of Ghostbusters comedy, tomfoolery, and ballyhoo. Well, we'll keep the ballyhoo as we move over to wrestling. Yes. Uh, but I have termed this segment the terrible, horrible, oh. no good, very bad month in wrestling. <laughs> yes. Um, if you happen to be a wrestling fan, I'm just going to advise you right now, pause, get yourself a drink. <laughs> I'm actually considering doing it right now when I ain't got a dog in this fight because I ain't been watching AEW or WWE for a, for a long time now. Oh I'm gosh. just looking at this list and it, whew, I, I oh, feel like painful. I, oh, so I mean, I, honestly, I, I just want you to run down the litany. Like, okay. We'll, we'll comment on things that you want to after this. Just give this rundown of what's happened in the last month. All just, right. No commentary. Just run it down for us and see if we if we make it to the end while we're still alive. <laughs> okay. So uh, it, for AE, so so really, there, there's there's the category of injuries, and so for AEW, right now we have injuries to Daniel Bryan, or sorry, Bryan Danielson. Now, gosh, I I always get that screwed up. Eh, uh, close enough. CM Punk, which is notable because he was recently crowned the new AEW World Champion. Uh, and now, then is his some, injury is severe, or, or is it uh, he's kind out of one of those? for several months now. He he. Oh. They didn't say what exactly it was. It was something either with his foot or with his leg, but it required surgery. Oh, that's uh, awesome. But it, but what was unfortunate was he had just won the world title. He was. I mean, it was a great story, and I think they were going to continue to roll and expand upon it. And he showed up at the Wednesday Night Dynamite, had a six-man tag, and came out of it limping. And then it turns out that Friday he had to announce that he's going to go away for a few months to recover. Uh, now, they're not stripping him of the title. AEW, to their credit, do not strip their, their champions of titles. Instead, they'd go the UFC route and they create an interim champion uh, such that when uh, the, the crown champion comes back, they inevitably have a pay-per-view match already kind of written, you know, story 
story written and booked, hmm. ready to go between interim and, uh, you know, reigning champion to determine who the man is. So when he returns, CM Punk will face uh, that interim champion. But uh, but he, he was pretty emotional about it, too. I mean, like not putting a show on. He was pretty broken up because he's like, you know, I you know, this like he's been uh, since he came back in August. It's been such a such a great ride with him and what he's been doing, working with the younger guys, the stories he's been telling him and MJF. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he's just done some amazing work. So this was unfortunate. But uh we, you know, we hope we, we hope Mr. Punk returns soon, uh, but he is he is on the shelf as it is right now. Uh, Jeff Hardy uh, on the shelf will return to Mr. Hardy in a moment. Uh, he yeah. actually shows up again later in the list. Let's here. just put a pin in that one, shall we? We shall. Uh, and then Adam Cole, baby, uh, he is also uh, injured as well. So Adam AEW Cole, boo instead of baby. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And then over in WWE, not as many injuries, but they are impactful. Um, I included a, a picture in our show notes that I had to take out because it just ruined the spacing. But it had uh, uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar as old men facing off in like SummerSlam in 2050 because that's how many different iterations of Re- Lesnar Reigns we're going to get. But Gosh. apparently Randy Orton suffered a back injury and uh, he was tabbed to be Reigns' next opponent at SummerSlam. Uh, however, he is uh, out for what is believed to be the rest of 2022. So unfortunately, he will be out. Uh, which is now forcing uh, the creative, you know, the, the the creative intellects at WWE to go and and try something new and different with Reigns. So they're going to put him with Lesnar for the four hundred and yeah. or I have listed here the five hundred and forty seventh time. Uh, so that'll be the SummerSlam main event. Looking forward to that. Uh, in you know, just in general. Uh, oh jeez, just crazy, just crazy. So so you feel bad. Or Orton probably would have had a good run with with Reigns, but nonetheless, he is he is out. Cody Rhodes. Uh, we'll we'll touch on touch upon him later on as well in in the uh, and another thing. But Cody Rhodes suffers a torn pectoral muscle clear off the bone, from what I hear. So mm. he has this injury now. Apparently, uh, once this happens, you cannot do any further damage to the body or to that area because the the muscle is torn from the bone. Yeah. Well, that's all he needed to hear because he went ahead and competed at the <laughs> Hell in a Cell match last Sunday uh, or two Sundays ago against Seth Rollins. So he did a hell. I'll say that again: a Hell in a Cell match uh, with a torn pectoral muscle. And you should have. Like, I actually watched this match last week. The crowd goes t- not silent, but in this like whoa sort of mode when he takes his jacket off and you see how bruised and just swollen his side oh, is. Yeah. It it was bad. It was and, really and bad. And then to have uh, and then to have uh, have Rollins like digging a chair into that oh, area. My gosh. And they had a it cl- wasn't a short match. It was like a twenty some odd minute match. Yeah, they had a a classic match uh and i'll get into it later but he is now out for much of 2022 recovering he had surgery uh shortly after this match to repair the the torn pectoral muscle uh the unfortunate thing there is he he was picking up a lot of 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 great you know support from the fan base you know really uh strong babyface character um and, and building off a brilliant story of you know him trying to win the title that his father couldn't couldn't quite get and 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 it's just such a compelling story the way they're telling it it's one of the rare things they're doing well in in that company so it's it's uh, mm. unfortunate but uh you know if if anything it, it opens the door for a 
a Royal Rumble uh, return uh, that that could cause the place to come unglued. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, lies forth for the American Nightmare. Uh, we move on from injuries to uh, just general uh, discontent and and craziness. Uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out of Raw uh, several weeks ago, uh, not caring for the creative direction their characters were going in. They were the ladies tag champs. They said, nah, we're dropping the belts. We're walking out the door. Goodbye. Thank you. Uh, so they left. And <laughs> exactly. uh, we now believe Sasha uh, is, uh, the, the rumblings are she is going to be released from WWE. Um, they are going to part ways with her given the circumstances there. Uh, this is not the first time this has happened. There has been uh, these sorts of issues with her before creatively. And, you know, quite honestly, I, I don't blame her. Um Mm-hmm. Given the rumors you read about in the company and that sort of thing, uh, a lot of issues with creative. But again, I, I won't go too crazy on this. We'll we'll get through the list and then talk. Uh, so she's going to be released. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff Hardy last week uh, arrested for DUI. Um, so you know, again, having some issues. Uh, in Almost the for the five hundred and forty seventh time. Is yeah, sadly, sadly, Good but Lord. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, ironically timed with the fact he was injured, you know, so yeah. uh, I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he is going through that. And so, uh, you know, ho- hopefully, uh, he's getting the help he needs and, and getting uh, back on, onto the, he's been on the right path before. Hopefully he gets back on it again. Um, and then we move from from that into uh, Stephanie McMahon. She uh, announces an indefinite leave of absence from WWE in her executive role. And then there are some rumors that come out shortly after this happened in May about maybe not uh, being able to fulfill her duties well. It was very strange. Uh, they, uh, you know, the company plugged some people in for for what she was doing, and it it just had a very strange vibe to it. Well. Mm. We may understand why a little bit more now because Vince last week uh, is Maybe now uh, embroiled in a brouhaha of sorts where he is being investigated for, uh, I believe it's uh, misuse of funds. I, I don't know if that's 100% on the money, but uh, yeah. basically uh, using some funds to to pay off uh, a, a lady who he was having an affair with. Um, and so uh, he is stepping down as CEO, but... Never fear, fans. Uh, he is still well in control of creative. Oh, good. Ah! Thank goodness for that. <laughs> good oh, gosh. Hang on a second. Let me. Oh, yeah. Let me pop a seltzer over that one. Oh. You know, I would rather him stay a CEO and step back from creative. <laughs> that 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 would be the best. But well, um, like Mick and the boys said, you can't always get what you want. No, you, you know? can't. No, you can't. But ironically, with him stepping down as CEO, Stephanie is now stepping in as interim chairwoman and CEO. So uh, kind of, you know, makes you wonder if maybe her leave of absence might have been related to this. Of course, there's there's no, you know, no reporting or anything that has confirmed any of that. But uh, but my goodness, sir. Uh that's a lot of activity for for a three to four week span. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean the the one thing is that I mean it's 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 keeping all these uh all the wrestling YouTube channels uh, hopping. As a matter oh, yeah. of fact, uh, Uncle Corny, as a matter of fact, yeah. was like yeah. over the past couple of weeks has been uh, like breaking news almost almost like he's he's a uh, he's on a sports talk station. Like as he as they're recording, things mm-hmm. are happening and they're running it by him and he's reacting in real time which i mean good god one can only imagine what 
the things coming out of his mouth in real time when he doesn't have a moment to think about it. Um, uh, yeah. It, oh, it's insane, dude. Insane yeah. stuff going on. It's crazy. And, 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 you know, I go back to that injury list and it, I mean, it almost reads like the Niles crane list, you know, it's like Daniel, Brian Danielson. Thank you. CM Punk. Thank you. I mean, it was just yeah. like crazy. Yeah. They're just like dropping like flies. I mean, it's just like, what is going now, on? I will say AEW, that is a great idea that they have having the interim champ. And then of course you, you, it gives you that time to, to kind of figure things out. And then boom, like you say, a ready-made program for when the champ comes back. Mm-hmm such a great idea and it seems foolish that it has not been done before yeah but of course because it makes sense i mean that's probably the reason why wwe didn't do it and and, run as far away as you can from the common sense (laughs) yeah and most definitely why wcw back in the day didn't do it because i mean good lord um yeah all those are all those are terrible i mean but of course it's hard to feel bad for wwe and Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. say this separate from all the Vince stuff going on right now, but because they, they simply do not try to build new stars. They haven't mm-hmm. been for a long time. They've been leaning on these on these guys. And now you have what? You have Roman Reigns, who's now part time. Lesnar is part time. I mean, he's not a, he's not really a full time guy because he kind of comes and goes whenever he wants because he can and, and and he knows how valuable he is. And after that, who do you got? I mean, you've got some really talented wrestlers on that on that roster. You've got AJ Styles. You got uh, I mean, I don't even know who else is left on the on there. But I mean, they've they've always had some really talented people. It just winds up they don't do anything with them, and then they get caught like this, and they they just you know they just run back to oh well, what worked three years ago? Well, we've already seen that, and it doesn't even make any sense. You know, so it's like, uh, it, it's hard to feel bad for him in those circumstances. I mean, I feel bad for Cody. You know, that was a dude yeah. who's coming back. And like you said, just getting traction and <laughs> freaking of all things, like, you know, rips the pectoral muscle off of his bone with lifting weights. Like it wasn't even in the mm-hmm. ring. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, which it, it makes me think of there's a, there was a Patton Oswald bit that showed up on my, on my Facebook. Yeah. I'm still on Facebook cause I'm old. Um, where he talked about how he had broken his foot. And he says, you know, it happened in two parts. The second part is that I stepped off the curb and I landed wrong and I broke my foot. He says, the first part was I turned 50. Now that I'm 50, (laughs) everything is fatal. (laughs) He just goes off on the fact that like, you know, you just, everything is, everything is going wrong. And he's like, but then, you know, he, apparently he's friends with Tony Hawk, which I'm like, okay, those two don't really seem like they would pal around, but, Sure. And I guess Tony Why? Hawk broke like his fibula or, or like something really gnarly, like, you know, while he's skateboarding and he texts Patton Oswalt. He's like, yeah, I guess we're in the same boat, buddy. And he's like, Patton Oswalt's like, no, no, we're not. No, we're not. Like you Jackie Chan yourself into some really cool stuff. Like I just, I stepped wrong. That's all it was. <laughs> like he, we're not in the same boat whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, you got to feel bad for Cody Rhodes because it's like, of all the stupid, oh, that sucks, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. WWE is in, you know, kind of in their a bed of their own making, creatively speaking, because they th- this is what they do. They they lean on these on these couple guys, and then something happens with them, and it's like, oops, yeah. Now what? Yeah, you know. I mean, uh, I anyways. will say the one thing with, and and I'm probably ruining my end another thing, but I'll, I'll say this about the Cody thing. He comes out of hell in a cell. I, I mean, he he is just 
building his legend in in a way that few people have an opportunity to do. And and not that I, I consider an injury an opportunity, but the fact that he and Rollins crafted a match where they could do the things they did, even though he was injured and put on the kind of psych, you know, just the psychology of the match was just Well, fantastic. it is an opportunity. I mean, you have to, I mean, you have to look at it that way. I mean, because right. if in that business, especially like, because your options are, you know, like Mick Foley famously said, like if you're if you're in a legit sport and Shaquille uh-huh. O'Neal falls down and he's bleeding all over the court, they stop the game. Yeah. But in the fake sport, if something like that happens, you got to finish like you've got to finish the match. Like yeah. how many times have we seen stuff like that? And it, because of the nature of the of the sport of the of the game, like it is an opportunity and he, and he Mm -hmm. took it and ran with it. And I mean, my God, he, he deserves a ton of credit for, for doing that. And I mean, uh, probably also maybe a psych evaluation as well. I don't know. Um, I can't say it's, it's what I would do, but then again, I've never been the person who's like, you know what? I want to get hit in the face for a living. Yeah. I just, uh, apparently that's just not in my nature. Yeah. But his, his aura as, as a baby face and, and, and what I see happening with him is, is interesting because you know, when, when he came back, he's coming back with this idea of, you know, my, my, my dad won the WWE title by, by count out in the, in Madison square garden this one time. And he had to give the title back cause you can't win that way. Yeah. He's like, so his whole mission is, is that he wants to win the championship for the family that, that just seemed to elude his father. And with him doing what he did in that match, it's like, he's, he's creating his own kind of legend now. You know what I mean? Like he, he's working mm. with the dusty magic, but he's kind of working outside the realm of it. You know what I mean? Like creating his yeah. own legacy, creating his own, you know, really, really building the American nightmare, you know, character into something that is really different from his father, even though it's tangentially related to it. You know what I mean? Which I think mm. is really cool. And, um, and that's not to say, you know, what, what he did in AEW doesn't matter. Right? I mean, he, he had a couple of brutal matches. I mean, he was in a flaming tables match about eight months ago where his back was on fire for crying out loud. And, you know, he still has some of the burn marks to show. I mean, he just does some crazy stuff. And, but, but as fans, you can't deny the toughness, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it just builds the aura of who he is by the fact that he does these, you know, th- these aren't these insane Foley-esque sort of things. Like there's a reason for it in, in the match and in the story, but the fact that he went in, you know, injured this way and, and gutted his way through it and, you know, did had the match with Rollins he had was, it's, you know, it's one of the few bright spots. And honestly, where I see this all going, and, and I hope this is where it's going is, having him be the one that unseats reigns having these two guys from these two families, you know, these two legacies that they come from battling it Mm -hmm. out where one of them has been dominating for so long. And, and one of them is kind of the underdog baby face. I I really think they've, they've got some magic. That's a match I would, I would watch reigns reigns versus Rhodes. I think that would the Samoan contingent against the American dream baby. So and the thing is, I love the idea. I think it's, I, I think it's money. It's money in the bank. It, it just, it just start printing tickets now, which means that inside of three months, Reigns is going to be defeated by Omos <laughs> on yep. SmackDown for the title, and oh, that's Smackdown, what's going to main event, baby, main event. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, yeah. 
because Vince is like, oh, what's a power? We have two more weeks of June, so we'll see what other tomfoolery ballyhoo uh, takes place in the world of wrestling. It seems like there can't be much more that could go wrong, but buckle up, kids. We'll see. (laughs) As we were talking about in the pre-production meeting, now, uh, in addition to all of this stuff, all the, the... the uh, tomfoolery happening with Vince, there is the there is the possibility of a pending lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, representing shareholders mm. because now I mean because let's let's face it I mean so Vince is Vince has got himself caught in the caught in the gears here because of an inappropriate relationship that he then hushed up and paid to go away and now they're looking into whether this has happened before and gotta say like i said to you earlier this week like i i don't think it's gonna take too much digging to find times that this has happened before i mean this is a guy who's been in absolute control of his empire for how long and uh Mm -hmm. it would not shock me let's just put it that way it would not shock me uh that if there if there are more allegations uh number one john laurinitis who's who's part of this whole thing like he's already under the bus like i i he's good he's they threw him under the bus real quick and he's gonna be dragged cross country i mean he's he's done he is done done um vince on the other hand you know so the now i i gleaned a lot of this information from uncle corny's latest uh podcast which is interesting just to listen to because oh my gosh he 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 tears into this stuff uh, on this, on a level that I will not hear because it's a family show, uh, <laughs> but apparently the paralegal, the woman who's got the NDA and the three mil, uh, was a forty something paralegal hired and was paid a hundred thousand dollars salary her first year with the company. The second year, her salary was doubled to two hundred thousand dollars while she's having this relationship with with Vince. Mm. And then apparently, at some point, she was handed off from Vince to John Laurinaitis as like a play thing. And then at some point after that, it was like, okay, here's three mil, and sign this NDA and just go away. Now the apparently from now I don't know if more has come out, but from what uh, Corny was saying, the three mil was was out of Vince's pocket. the The issue might be the fact that a year into her tenure with the company, they decided to double her salary. For what reason? Yeah, like like how good of a job are you doing as a paralegal where you go from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand in one year? Like that's one hell of a year end review. Um, so there's that plus all, I mean, you gotta get like, I I wonder at what point do you get to where now where Vince can finally get removed because the, Mm -hmm. I just looked this up because I was curious what the, what the ownership deal was because WWE is a publicly traded company. Now you got stockholders, you got a board of directors, you got all, you've got some manner of oversight. So uh Vince holds 38.6% ownership of the company's outstanding stock and 81.1% of the voting power. I don't understand how that works. How you hold 38 mm. almost 39% of the stock but yet you hold 81% of the of the voting power. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. But I'm going to imagine there is some way that he can get pushed out of this. Or at least push so far into the background, like he is—he is not going to be because 
now he, it's not just his money anymore. Like right. now he's messing with other people's money. Yeah. And, you know, I always joked about, you know, about we were never going to be rid of Vince McMahon. We were going to have his head in a jar, you know, like some sci-fi <laughs> horror movie and it would live on forever. Well, they're, they're coming for Vince's head, but they might also be coming for his ass at this point. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's going to be two body parts they're after right now. Yeah. Um, I did. It's kind of crazy. I mean, what what do you, I mean, how much more do you think it's going to take before this happens? Because now, I mean, if they get Stephanie in there, mm-hmm. is the case of like, well, McMahon, by any other name, as long as the, the last name is right, we'll calm down the stockholders. We'll get the old man out of the way and everything is going to be fine. Yeah. I I did read that it, you know that he has most of the voting power. What I I did, uh, what I also gleaned from that article I was reading though was there is power in the networks, and so the thought is, can the network oh, yeah. executives, you know, like if if it goes to a very awkward place, can the network executives force him out um, by basically saying, mm. you know, because quite honestly, w- without the network deals, that is a lot of the WWE's you know, in inflow of cash at this point. And so um, if they jeopardize those relationships, that could, that could do a lot of damage to those executives staying behind as well as the shareholders. So, um, so there, there are some, uh, it sounds like there are some levers that can be pulled, but um, it it is going to be, I think, kind of a tricky thing. Yeah. It's just crazy when you think about it, the fact that you know, after all these years, like the, the the one person whose job you felt was actually, well, let's think about it this way: two people who you thought coming into twenty twenty two, who had almost unlimited job security, Roger Goodell and Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. One because I mean he gets paid an ungodly amount of money just to take hits for the league. And nobody likes him and he gets booed every year at the draft and smiles about it because, you know, he's laughing all the way to the bank. And Vince McMahon, because he owns a damn company, well, kind of, and he's been doing this for how for you know, 50 years. And now, I mean, we already talked about the whole Gruden thing with with Goodell, where it's like he might have become enough of a liability, kind of the same with Vince. Like he might be enough of a liability that it's finally like, OK, you know what? Why don't you go take up golf or something? You know, yeah. have you thought, have you thought about shuffleboard as a, as like a full-time job, like really pursue it, Vince. Like you, you could be really good at this, you know? Yep. Wow. It's yep. crazy. Absolutely it, crazy town. And, and before we wrap up, I forgot two other things over the weekend. Uh, Dave Hebner. Oh, geez. Oh, yes. Uh, Dave Hebner and um, Tim White, both referees, uh, famous referees from the 80s and 90s. Uh, Dave Hebner, most famously being from the evil twin storyline that took place when Andre (laughs) defeated Hulk Hogan, uh, which which is just so nonsensical. The evil Hebner. (laughs) (laughs) Which which I watched a clip of that over the weekend. And in watching the theatrics of Hogan back in the day and this whole thing where it's just like, oh, he must be the evil twin because he socked the other one in the mouth, you know? It was just like, yeah. And then Hogan making the 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 money sign with his hands, you know, like, oh, he must have taken the money. I'm like, man, you've you've really uh, made some leaps in 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 your detective work there, Mister Clouseau. <laughs> well, they didn't give him a movie for no reason. Well, actually, they kind of did. <laughs> oh, good lord, they were just like, hey, sure, but, why not? But uh, rip him. 
Absolutely. Uh, rough, rough uh, May, June for the wrestling world. And we will see if uh, this week uh, calms down a bit. But my goodness, my friend. I've got to tell you, my money is not on it calming down. <laughs> <laughs> my, well, money, my money is on this thing going full bore loco by the time we hit july Uncle that's Todd what i'm rooting for arrives on chaos and he is giggling and laughing as as this takes place so in a way yeah i mean but i mean it's it's horrible to watch people's lives kind of crumble but at the same time it's almost like it, it is it's a car wreck it yeah. really is yeah. and at least here i don't feel guilty but because my rubber necking is not slowing anybody else down it's mm. only it's only harming me so i guess it's my guilty little pleasure Indeed. Indeed. And that, my friends, is a very wrestling-focused, with a little bit of Harold Ramis, week in Geek. Well, thank you once again, sir, for uh, taking us down these little rabbit trails and... and Actually, no, don't... I I can't thank you for that. Like, that, now I'm just miserable. Like... (laughs) Knee deep in misery, my gosh! It's like the I what feel like the I'm in the never-ending story, and the horse has just gotten sucked down. It's uh. like what's what's the world coming to? Well, thankfully, Tom Cruise is here to save the world with his with his uh, I don't know, the lifts in his shoes or something. But um, so as I mentioned before, we are going to be talking about uh, Top Gun Maverick. The, the sequel that we've been waiting 36 years for, uh, including two years wait of, of just COVID time. <laughs> yeah. Because of, of, all the, of all the movies that got delayed, I'd have to say this one was the most snake bitten. Yeah. Because it was actually supposed, it would have made it out ahead of COVID, but then it mm-hmm. got pushed back into what became COVID time. And then I think it got pushed back a couple more times. Like the fact that this thing just didn't wind up premiering on Paramount Plus with them just going, screw it. Is it's almost amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so we both uh signed up for the nostalgia trip and saw it today. And uh it, you know, I gotta say, uh first reaction uh from you, sir. What what were you thinking? Uh how did you feel about the Top Gun Maverick? Well, I as I was explaining to Uncle Todd before we we started the show here, um it's it's been kind of funny going to the movies and you know we we've seen Jurassic World we've seen a few other movies over the last few weeks and when we would go there would be these these not trailers but just sort of behind the scenes content for different movies and one of them was Top Gun and Cruz is sitting there talking about all the stuff they did and the training regimen he developed with the navy people and all this sort of thing and and my wife and I just kind of came out of it we're just like man, if he isn't just like the most smarmy, pretentious person acting like he knows all this stuff about, and he probably Mm -hmm. does. I mean, I don't mean to say that he doesn't, but let's be honest. He's an actor at the end of the day. I mean, once he finishes Top Gun, I don't think he's out flying the P-75s or whatever it is they trained on, like he's talking about. He actually is a pilot, apparently. Oh, okay. Well, it shows uh, how much I've been doing my research. Well, I uh, granted, my only research was uh, from the IMDb trivia section of Top Gun Maverick. So, <laughs> well, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> as as we all know, that is the the fount of all things good and true in this world. But uh, the first item is that uh, Tom Cruise is a pilot. All right. And the P-51, the, the propeller fighter plane mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the movie and then also at the very end, uh, that is his plane. Ah, he owns okay. that. Okay. So 
I mean, there is so maybe something... not as pretentious as I thought. Well, the funny thing is, like, f- so I read back a little bit on the the trivia from the original Top Gun because that was like really that was kind of Tom Cruise's like big coming out as a movie star. Mm-hmm. Like he had been in bi- he had been in some some big movies before that, but that was really his big come out in in terms of also being really involved in the production and, yeah. and having a hand in it. Like he actually had a little bit of a a little bit of uh, weight behind him at that point, so he could kind of say I did this and this and this. But that was where he like he had never ridden a motorcycle before, and they put him on like the fastest motor you know production motorcycle on the planet which i'm like oh my gosh the stuff like this is insanity like you know and then of course he ends up becoming a pilot because of course he does uh you know because by the power of xenu you know i just i almost that's how i picture it like like tom cruise in scientology almost like a he-man sort of thing like he pulls mm-hmm. out a magic sword and he's like by the power of xenu <laughs> you know i've got it i've got this whole scientology thing like down pat man i i know Sounds it like front it and back um but yeah so I, there's there's part of me that actually thinks that like tom cruise has gone uh, loco enough that he actually does think that like in some corner of his mind that he is mm-hmm. pete maverick mitchell so yeah. i mean when you're telling me this like because I've, I've seen bits of that but i can see like after going to a couple different movies and seeing that repeatedly where you'd be like you know what? I just want to kick this guy right in the freaking teeth. <laughs> it, yes. Yes. Yeah. Like the Geneva Convention should prevent you from having to see that more than twice. Like Indeed. if you see that a third time, you should be able to file a complaint Indeed. and like take, have someone taken to the Hague for, for <laughs> war crimes. That's just my contention. I'm a bit of a hardliner on that one. Well, setting aside the pre-movie content, my, my initial reaction to the movie uh, itself um, was one of surprise, honestly. I, I came in, mm-hmm. uh, I, as I said to Uncle Todd, this this movie had three strikes going against it, probably four. Uh you know, one, it, it was it was a sequel. Two, it was, you know, based on a movie from like 30 years ago. Three, it was Tom Cruise. Four, you had Miles Teller in there. Now that I have anything against about Miles you Teller. You really got it out from Miles Teller because in the pre-production meeting, you were like, you you, th- you threw this offhanded remark like, ah, he's a mixed bag. I'm like, damn, what did Miles Teller ever do to you? Like, I, I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't mind him in Whiplash, but I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, he's... It's it's a little bit of a hot cold thing for me with him, you know what I mean? Okay, and and uh, so uh, yeah, I just find it interesting because there's there's these guys like these people who just out of nowhere, like like the man they call Tim is one of the one of the most upstanding, empathetic, just lovely human beings I've ever met in my life, and just out of nowhere, sometimes like screw this person in particular, (laughs) like what? Where'd that come from? Like did they kick your grandpa Simpson shake. In his fist at the sky, it's, it just catches me off guard every single time because I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa where did what, that come from? This, some shade going on here that I don't know about." Did he spill your bourbon glass at some point? What What did he do to you? Well, in that case, totally justified. Well, I get yeah. it, but nonetheless, uh, no. But but I I was very pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, I, I have the luxury I, uh, you know, I, I had admitted probably many episodes ago and finally came around to uh, watching the first Top Gun a couple of weeks ago on a streaming Actually, service. I don't think that made it into, I don't think that was on a show. That was when we were, when we were talking about this off air and I was ah, shocked okay. Okay. that you had never seen the, the OG Top Gun. No, no. So I watched it and honestly, I came away feeling like this movie um, was better than the first one, um, that it had a 
more complete story to it. Um, that it was really, uh, you know, hitting some, some really good notes, um, when it came to the characters and the emotion and, uh, and, and, you know, of course a lot of it built off the first movie, but it was just this rare case of me feeling like this, this, the sequel felt more complete, you know, from beginning to end than the first movie did. Because when I saw the first movie, I kind of finished it and was like, okay, I get why it was so, in, in some ways I understood why it was so popular back in the eighties, but in other ways I'm watching this, like th- there's some areas where there's just the story so thin, you know what I mean? Like oh, it just, yeah. it feels like there's just like nothing there. And I'm like, why were people so like over the moon about this thing? You know what I mean? So it was weffa thin. Oh my gosh. I mean, if I had to listen to take my breath away one more time, I was going to oh. <laughs> Dude, so the funny thing is with that song, <laughs> like they they fell for that song in a in a big bad way. So that's why it gets used like approximately every thirty seconds. I mean, well, wait a minute, but but before you go any further, though, I, I have to say just to support what you're saying, to to the point where, and, and this is in the first Top Gun, mind you, to the mm-hmm. point where when like I think one of the parts is where he's departing from his girlfriend's house or something, and he climbs on the motorcycle, and just all of a sudden they start like midstream in the song. Oh yeah! And I'm like, why? <laughs> He's leaving. Yep. Oh no, they. I mean, and the thing is, like, it, I get it. I get what you're saying because oh, uh, I had recently God. watched. Um, well, I I can't say that I watched. I like I I kind of I kind of flipped through Top Gun. Okay. So I I watched the parts that I liked, and then I kind of oh. would just skip a bunch of the a bunch of the parts where I'm like I I don't really need that like I know I kind of know where they're going from here to here to here and so I kind of just watch the highlights um and yeah like there's there's a lot of times when you're like okay it's it's kind of just like a navy recruitment you know a vehicle that they strung a story to and and yeah the story is like incredibly thin in places um and 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 the the production and to me like not incredibly well planned out too because at, they came to the end of the production and were like oh hey we don't have our two love interests having any kind of like romantic interaction we need to get we need yeah. to get Kelly McGinnis and and Tom Cruise back who don't like each other which was great. <laughs> Probably because, you know, Tom Cruise is like 5'7 with his cowboy boots on. And, and I think Kelly McGinnis is like 5'10, you know, 5'11. Yeah. And so when yeah. you see like the Top Gun like promo photos, like and she's like leaning over him. Yeah. And like she's totally slouching and she's still like like over his shoulder, obviously, like <laughs> obviously taller, like almost in a, in a way like uh, in, in like a James Callis um Trisha Helfer way where like Trisha Helfer is, is a legitimately, you know, statuesque woman and yeah. James Callis is not a statuesque man. <laughs> and of course they've got Trisha Helfer and, and BSG. They've got her on like those six inch freaking stiletto heels. So now she's like towering over him. But right, it's like, right. it's like Wilt Chamberlain standing over like Bob Cousy back in the day, like yeah. just two feet over him. oh my gosh and, but of course you know i think james callis is a little bit more secure about his height or just like me has just developed this thing of like i ain't hitting another growth spurt so it is what it is yeah yeah tom cruise 
not so much. Tom no. Cruise is like, no, no, we need to dig a hole so she can stand down in it, or you need to get me a, a <laughs> orange crate so I can stand up on it. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh! So yeah, no, no chemistry there. But they realized they didn't have they didn't have the romantic scenes. So that's why you have that. Like uh, I guess when they they brought him back to reshoot, she'd already changed her hair color and hairstyle for another project, and Tom mm. Cruise was growing out his hair for the color of money. So like they had that. Like she had to put a baseball hat on, and then the whole like romantic love scene is all like in silhouette and stuff. It's like, yeah. isn't that artsy? It's like no, they're just trying to hide the fact that these two human beings. One, don't have any chemistry because they don't like each other. Yeah. And two, look completely different than the rest of the movie. A, you know, so it doesn't surprise me like when I go back and look at it now, like, yeah, the, the, the movie's kind of spotty, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of yeah. hit or miss in some of these parts. It is. But, it is. but it's, it's one of those things where what's, what's remarkable to me, and I, I was thinking about it today, was we've had, um, we've had the fourth Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which of course didn't have quite the same length of time uh, between its last movie and and the new one as a uh, you know Top Gun, but then of course we also had Ghostbusters Afterlife mm. come out recently, and, and another you know these movies that are are taking place way after way after their their most recent uh, movie in the in the franchise. This one here is I think the one that benefits the most from it. Yeah, because it's given you enough time for number one for a bit of nostalgia, like we mentioned in here, to really you know to really pull on. But it also has given you a time for stuff to happen to that character that you'll you can reference, and and that you can build an actual story on. Yeah, you know, and that was I think one of the weaknesses with the first Top Gun movie is you don't have a lot of stuff going on there. They hint at a few things, but. Maverick is not especially deep character, you know, yeah. and uh, you know it, it's it's just kind of funny. Like it it does benefit a tremendous amount from taking place thirty six years later. Yeah, and 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 it gives you access to all these different elements. You know, absolutely, absolutely. So the yeah, funny for, for for me it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like uh, they were, I saw this bit of trivia too. Like Tom Cruise is older than Tom Skerritt was when he was playing Viper <laughs> oh, and, and he was like the old man, Tom Cruise is wow. five years older than Tom Skerritt was in that movie. Wow. Kind of crazy. That is crazy. What were your uh, uh, initial impressions? Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I, I, I was, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I enjoyed the movie and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I did. I got that. I got the same feeling you did. Like, wow, this story is a lot better than the first one, even though, as we'll talk about a little bit later on, it is kind of, you know, it owes heavily to the first movie and we hit some of the same notes, but they managed to do it in a way that it actually took me a little while afterwards to realize like, oh yeah, they kind of did the same thing that they did there, but they did it in a different way. And yeah. it kind of, because it actually fit within a story, I didn't care quite as much that they were ringing that same bell. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed the flick. I got to say. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get more into the story part, but I, I feel like they did mine a couple of gems um, from it, it. Like, it feels like they, 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 they took some really good stuff from the first movie and brought it into the second movie. And I think that yeah. is what made the second movie resonate and, you know, feel like a strong outing um, is when you have those gems coupled with a strong story. Um it it then 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 you've got something special. Yeah, 
Agreed. Agreed. So the first thing that I kind of want to talk, I want to hit on here because this was our this was our first intro to this movie mm-hmm. uh, was uh, first of all best teaser trailer of the last decade or best teaser trailer ever for this flick and, and here I'm re- referencing the the initial teaser trailer when we had like Tom Cruise flying over the desert and the Ed Harris voiceover mm-hmm. which was just you know thirty year runs off all the things you know. You should be a two-star admiral by now, but here you are, Captain. And just like that Ed, that Ed freaking Harris voice where you're just like, damn it. I, like, uh, he just has that voice that just works. And, oh, it's great. Yeah. And, oh, that entire trailer was, was that teaser was just fan-friggin-tastic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was so good. And then, of course, they like they do now, there was like 10 successive trailers after that. And it just kind of got old after a while. But that first one, I, I remember watching that and going, holy crap, I didn't think this was, this was ever going to be a sequel. And now I really want to see this movie. And I would not have, I would not have put money on that, you know, before. Yeah. I, I don't know that the thought ever crossed my mind about it being like the best teaser trailer, you know, either decade wise or ever, just because, there, there was a skepticism that was kind of built into to the fact that it's the sequel. Uh, and, mm. and it just felt like kind of a money grab sort of move by Cruz. Then it did something with an actual story. Now this was me thinking through like, like seeing this trailer. Um, gosh, I think I saw this trailer this. Okay. So this is going to date things. I think I saw this trailer when we went to go see rise of Skywalker in December of 2019. Yeah, that would be about right. Yeah. We, we were out in uh, in your neck of the woods visiting family for Christmas, and we we all kind of went out to see the movie together. And yeah, I think that's the first time I saw the trailer. And I just and at that time, I had no knowledge of the first movie. I, I mean, as far as seeing it, you know, and and understanding, you know, the, the the story and characters or whatever. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go, another, you know, let's let's go through another romp of nostalgia here. Um, so that's kind of, but, but I mean, I was impressed by the flying sequences, you know what I mean? So I, so I think there was something impressive about it, but I don't think I ever thought about it as, was it one of the best? Because I, I was kind of checked out of the whole concept kind of from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, of course I'm engaging in some, a literal use of hyperbole here, but to me, it, it, it was, it was one of those things that it, it just, it pulled me in. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they managed to hit all the right notes. I can and see of course, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that. You know, much like Mark Bernardin, I'm, I'm a sucker for that, you know, one yeah. more ride for the old cowboy or, you know, the hero is going to go out and, and, and one more job, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And I, I'm a sucker for that every time. So yeah, it, it pulled me in right away. Nice. Nice. So uh, of course now moving on and we're going to, you know, of course in, in most, uh, in in Maverick, they talk about you know needing two consecutive miracles, and you know in in most <laughs> you know missions, there's a primary objective, there's secondary objectives, there's you know then there you have a third objective, or you know you have tertiary objectives, all that stuff. Um, so first of all, let's let's run this down here. Uh, did the movie achieve its primary objective? And now here, of course, we're not speaking of of, of grandiose storytelling, uh, building characters, and like. Did it draw money? Because I mean, this Vince. is there's I mean, we know this is this is the goal. Like as much as people want to talk about, and we will talk about how how well the movie was made and acted, written, blah 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 blah. You don't make these movies 
unless they're going to make money. Like it's a franchise and that's all everyone wants right now is the franchise and those dollars. Did you know this movie has grossed 885 million worldwide so far as of the recording of this podcast? Wow. No, I did not. I mean, we're only a couple weekends in. So it's already the highest grossing movie of 2022, which granted, we're still kind of in COVID movie world. So it's not like it's that great of an achievement. But I mean, this movie's going to make a billion dollars. I mean, unless it stalls out really badly, it's going to make a billion. And probably could have made a little bit more because I think China's got a serious weed up there, but about the fact that the the Taiwanese flag is on on Maverick's jacket or something. So mm. they've it's not playing, I think, in China whatsoever. So they this movie could well be over a billion dollars right now uh, if it were playing in the Chinese market, but I don't think that's going to happen. But oh my gosh, on a on a hundred and seventy million dollar budget. Which is kind of funny when you think about it, because you all you also have to take it with a grain of salt, because it's like, well, I bet the U.S. Navy's given them a bit of a price break, yeah, <laughs> on on some of this stuff, um, you know, to you know, just, you know, just to help out the cause, maybe. Um, so the one thing I'm I'm kind of curious about, I just want to look up, look this up. Uh, so how an F-18? Oh, okay. So an F-18 actually costs $67 million. So you can buy quite a few F-18s for the amount of money that, uh, that this at least, well, at least, uh, my math sucks. What, 800? 885? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And change? You can start your own Air Force with the, with the money you're making off of Maverick, baby. Indeed. You could. That's it. Or, you know, if you're Paramount, you're just basically trying to pay off, like, your debts from failed projects. <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord i mean there's that too um but yeah so the primary objective i'd say they they managed to get it and the funny thing is like i've once again i'm still on facebook because i'm old and uh you know i'm i'm on there with a lot of people who are my age uh who are nostalgic and the acclaim for this movie on my on my friends feed has been kind of funny, like to the point where some people are talking about like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes there. Mm-hmm. Come on. Like you need to get if, if this is the best movie you've ever seen, you really need to get out more <laughs> like you need to expand your vision a little bit. Like it's a, it's a good <laughs> flick. It's a fun flick. Like the flying scenes were like spectacular and all that. Like, yes, it's a very well-made flick. And, you know, you can even say it's a, it's a great flick for the, for the action genre or whatever. If this is the best movie you've ever seen, whew, I don't know, man. Like, why do you insult me on this day of my daughter's wedding? It's like that's that's the kind of person right there who you know Walker Texas Ranger changed their life. Oh, good lord! You know? <laughs> yep. You need uh, to get yep. out more. That's that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh! But uh, so it's 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 doing pretty well, and and people seem to like it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's definitely going to make a bill, uh, billion. So uh, I guess we have to move on to the secondary objective. Did it tell a good story? And and I'll 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 defer to you on this one, sir, because uh, you've had the 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 double barrel uh, Top Gun experience uh, of seeing these both for the first time in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you, how do you think it felt did in the story? Yeah, I I uh, you know as I said earlier, I I think the story was more complete than the first one. I I think the gems that they mined from the first one were 
you know, really around, you know, Maverick's relationship with Iceman, which I think was great to see, you know, with Val Kilmer, you know, knowing yeah. the the health issues and things he's been through. It's been, it was great that they found a way to bring him into um, the sequel, e- even though it was a, um, I don't want to say short lived, but I mean, his, his character has, has, uh, you know, a quick, a quick end to it, um, you know, in, in, in the way they did it, but, but they did it in a sensible way. And, and, and I thought it was a really great, you know, back and forth they had, even though, you know, a lot of it was him was Val Kilmer typing stuff as opposed to speaking. I, I appreciated the fact they, they did get him to, you know, to have, have a couple lines and, and, and what he said. Um, so that was one gem. And then of course the other gem is, is just the, the emotional core of, I think both of the movies is goose. Uh, and, and the fact Mm -hmm. that goose's shadow is cast, you know, long over, over the story and these characters and, um, you know, just, just the, the tense, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a relationship, but the tension that that exists between between uh, Maverick and Goose's son uh, Rooster, and 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 just uh, you know how they come to you know bring that to a resolution in in the movie was was really something I wasn't expecting. You know, I mean, I you know I look at the first movie, and and that movie is very focused on the program of Top Gun. I, there's really no mission you know, mm-hmm. to speak of there, there's some, something they go off and do, but there's no mission that they're really training for. And, um, and so when, uh, you know, when, when, when basically in this film there, there's, there's a, a mission that, that they're really trying to carry out and achieve. And, and I love the fact too, that, that, you know, they, they mention it's a foreign power, but they don't get hung up on the details of it all. Like, like we don't know what country it is. And quite honestly, we don't care. You know, I mean, that's not the point of the movie. Well, yeah, um, and that's that goes back to the first Top Gun as well, where it's uh, yeah. it's a and and that was always that was a very '80s sort of thing too, because well, they they, they focused Eagle did a the lot on thing. Migs in, in the first one, which is a Russian yes. plane, I believe. So I think it was a little bit of a Russian. You know, we're still in that kind of Russian focus place. The 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 Stallone, the Balboa Drago sort of you know phase of of our our culture was going on at that time. I think. Yeah, but those were also uh, Migs were also exported to uh, okay you know uh, and, and of course we're spread out across you know eastern Bloc countries in europe because back then uh, know, still, okay fair enough that was a thing and and you also they were exported to uh middle eastern countries i believe um north korea uh, you know places like that so i mean migs were were kind of widespread because that was back when you know soviet union still had a lot of uh production power going on so yeah, yeah. and yeah. and the funny thing is like those those fifth generation fighters are actually are russian made i believe they're russian made uh, it's like mm. su 57 or something like that and and like with all those they like they the nato nickname is like felon or something like that and mm. like those are actually legit ish planes like i don't know if they're exact you know replicas of them or whatever they just like oh put the tail here and make it look cooler but whatever yeah like those are i believe those are russian made planes as well yeah but they, but they, of course, are are trying to play around with it because yeah, you don't want to tick anyone off, right? Right, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, because you're trying to make money on these things. Absolutely, and and so I I think they had a great approach there, and then. Like, like I felt the the story was more centered because it was really around him teaching them and training them for this mission, and you know, getting to the place where you know he, you know, and, and so I guess we'll do spoiler alert. Uh, I mean, I already spoiled something about Val Kilmer's character, but, um, 
you know, get, getting to the point where, where he, he leads the team and, and, and the real surprise was, was what happened after, you know, like they carry the mission out, but then, you know, as with all best laid plans, you know, chaos ensues. And, and so you have Maverick and Rooster, you know, you know, kind of on their own and, and there's this whole other side to the story that I just wasn't expecting. I, I thought once the mission was done, that was going to be kind of the end of the movie or, and, and it, and that would have felt kind of shallow and, and, uh, you know, a little bit sudden, but then they did this extra bit where, you know, Mav gets hit, crashes, Rooster saves him, Rooster crashes. And now they're, they're both, you know, kind of working together. And, and then you have just what I thought was just brilliant, the scene where they they run they make a run for the F14 that is housed at this enemy base and you have Rooster sitting in his father's seat and mm-hmm. and Maverick flying and just that whole scene was just really cool you know mm-hmm. given the history that you know again so so just that idea of taking you know just so funny that that uh, you know for for a movie that I said had parts that were were thin they did a good job of, of establishing, you know, that, that brother relationship that Goose and Maverick had and, and the shock of him, you know, dying and that sort of thing in, in the movie. And, and then having that be, uh, you know, a point of reconciliation for him with his son. Um, and, and the fact he was trying to be the best father he could be for this kid and, and, and protect him in the way he needed to based on, you know, as we found out what his mom's wishes were and stuff, you know, so a lot of the tension was just, you know, Maverick kind of sacrificing in a way, you know, like being the bad guy um, because he was trying to do the right thing for, for the kid. And so, and, and just by the end of the movie that they have that understanding and, and respect for each other. And then it wasn't done in a way where, where you had some sort of cheesy dialogue or something like that to, to bring that reconciliation that it was through, you know, just surviving, you know, a, a situation together that there's an understanding and respect that was born, you know, out of that. And so, um, I, I just thought that was just a brilliant way to tell the story and, and just, just hit on all the right notes. Um, you know, the, they, they kept the romance stuff to, to a minimum, you know, I think, you know, having, except kind of going in a route where you have Maverick kind of, you see he's kind of moving in that direction now of, you know, taking the character to being more of a family man, potentially, you know, and kind of having that life outside of flying. Um, you know, I, I love the fact they call they brought in a little bit of the technology, you know, the whole speech with Ed Harris talking about how, you know, the future is coming and he's going to be, you know, basically a, uh, a relic and, and no longer needed. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, uh, you know, it was just kind of interesting to cast him that way as, as this pilot who's, you know, kind of almost like a, a man without a home, you know, sort of thing. And so, um, so yeah, no, I, I just think top to bottom, they, they put together a really strong story. I thought it, it brought together, you know, great, um, great threads from the first movie and then brought them to a great resolution where it, it really, you know, just kind of left the franchise and in, in just a really good place. And, and I, you know, I don't think there needs to be another one. I, I just think that, uh, you know, it told a story that needed to be told and, and in some ways, you know, kind of planted the seed for the next generation, you know, that's going to follow this character. So, so very strong recommendation for me. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll agree. I, there were a lot of callbacks as I was thinking about the movie afterwards. So I saw it, oh, it was like a two o'clock showing today mm-hmm. and 
so then as I was going through the rest of my day and, you know, taking care of this, taking care of that, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, of course, what I'm going to say on, on the show as we're recording. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, wow, there is kind of a lot of callbacks to the first flick, you know, like the whole bar thing. Um, just it, it, a lot of references and a lot of things where it's like, okay, yeah, this is kind of the same as this thing and that thing. And, but they managed to do it in a way that was, that was, that was either different enough, to, different, different, different enough or subtle enough that I, I had to think about it afterwards. Now, granted, I'm sure there's people out there who are who are listening to this now like, ah, you're a complete idiot. Yep, you're right. It's right there in the title. <laughs> um, and I granted, I am I am a person who when I go to see a movie, I, I try to turn my brain off. I don't mm-hmm. want to be I'm I'm not the kind of person who wants to try and uh try and beat the movie to the conclusion and say, Ah, I knew it. Because yeah. to me that's that's just a waste of your money. Like I I want to go there and have the movie wash over me and entertain me. If I, I, the way that I know I'm watching a bad movie is if my brain starts engaging and I'm trying to figure it out because then I know that I'm just bored senseless, you know? And I didn't do, I didn't do that with this. And so I wasn't really actively trying to think of all those things. And you know, it, I, I felt like there was a decent enough amount of chemistry between all of the main characters that it worked. Um, and I, I thought that, again, it was it was very interesting where you see the the Maverick character at this point in his life and and doing the things that he does. Now, granted, there are plot holes galore, and I'm sure that there are people out there typing their screeds about how, oh, this is completely unrealistic. And the and that's just a big fat duh. Of course it is. This is not how things work in the real world, because, you know, that's not. That, that's not the way that what Welcome people want to, to go to the movies for, you know, you don't want to go to the movies to watch someone's real life. Like you can, you live one of those every damn day. Uh, there was a, there was a, uh, uh, an anecdote about when they were filming the original Top Gun and some of the pilots who were involved is, uh, I think they might've been some of the pilots who are flying some of the, you know, for the aerial footage or consultants or whatever. And they were, they were saying, Hey, Hey, the, the patches on these jackets aren't right. Like those aren't this and that and the other. And, and Tony Scott was like, we're not making this movie for fighter pilots. We're making it for people in Nebraska, Mm -hmm. like who aren't fighter pilots. Like it doesn't matter. Like it, it, it's just, it's just, it, it makes the yarn go better, you know? And so that sort of thing. So you have to kind of ignore the fact that like, Oh yeah, so he's just going to fly the course, and that's going to that's going to turn everyone's head, and and that'll win the day. Like that ain't going to work, you know. <laughs> that's not right. the, that's not the way life works. But in the movie, it has to work that way. Right. Um, I did like the idea that that they wove in Iceman and the fact that Iceman was basically the guy who's watching out for Maverick all these years. Yeah, and that yeah that when Iceman you know passes away now. He doesn't have his guardian angel anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I I did I did love that aspect of it, and that the fact that he could kind of rely on that. Yeah, yeah, um, and that he would just still be he would kind of in some ways still be just Maverick because hey, my my buddy Ice is just going to make sure that I don't get caught in the bandsaw. You know, at any point, um, that was great. 
Um, I kind of wish Ed Harris had a little bit more mm-hmm. to do in the movie. But then again, I was also a little, I was a little bummed that we didn't get a, um, an aged, um, oh, what's his name? I'm going to look it up right now because I have to make sure I get this name right. Tom Skerritt? All, um, no, no. Uh, Tom Skerritt I could, I could do without. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, good Lord. Anytime we, anytime oh, we get Tom Skerritt. Are you Skerritt. about the principal from uh, Back to the Future? Yes. Uh, yeah. James Tolkien. Yeah. It would have been great if at some point we just had like just wheeled him out. I mean, I know he he would have been retired, but you know, like at some sort of ceremony and just still like like a, an unlit stogie in his mouth, just like, you son of a bitch or just like something like that. I would, oh. Damn it, Maverick. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so great. But um, sweat pouring from his. There, oh, my there, gosh. Everyone, everyone in these movies amount is of sweating sweaty. in that first movie. <laughs> Well, and in, in this movie too, as soon as like in the mission, like everybody was getting spritz before every shot, like just the sweat yeah. pouring down everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I did, I did appreciate that because even in the uh, in the scenes, when again they're in the command center on the carrier, like if you notice, like uh, what's his face there, Ham, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the the other, oh my gosh, what's it? I I can't remember his call sign. I want to say it's Cyclone, but I think I'm wrong. Um, I think I'm thinking of a Transformer. But- yeah, I, I don't remember. The other guy, the guy who actually seemed to like Maverick a little bit. Yeah. Um, They're both very sweaty. Like, everybody's sweaty in this movie. I was like, my God, there's more sweat in this than there ever was in Rocky. And that had spit buckets full of sweat. (laughs) Um, It's just like, it's almost like, it's instead of a J.J. Abrams movie where it's like, more lens flare. It's like the guy, the guy's running around going, more sweat, more sweat. You know? Oh my god! Like, I, I would hate to be the guy who has to clean the set afterwards. Like just going around with a mop afterwards. Like my god, mm-hmm. what the hell am I working on the abyss? What is, is it? Titanic? Yeah. Oh <laughs> What's going gosh. on here? Um, but no, I, I thought the story was was good. It was deeper, and I felt you know, like I said earlier, I think it it benefited from that that large gap in time from first movie to second movie because it then allows you a lot of time and a lot of like age on the character to kind of endear them a little bit more and and mm-hmm. and wear them mm-hmm. in a little bit more there's more texture there you know yeah yeah i did like how they got a little more technical with the flying you know and got into some of the you know there, there's a part of me that that likes that kind of you know a little bit of the science behind it and they didn't go too deep with it you know when it came to either you know the the test flight he did in the beginning with getting up to like mach 10 or 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 the 10 g's you know that they had to or, or the 9 g turn they had to pull or whatever that you know I, I i thought i found it interesting they kind of get to you know understand that a little bit better and and what uh the you know what what some of the pilots must face you know from a physical you know standpoint as well um mm. you know I, I felt it kind of gave it a, a human feel, uh, you know, that it wasn't just them performing these like crazy stunts and being totally fine. You know, like there was, you know, this, 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 uh, you know, this physical challenge that they had to deal with as well as, you know, dodging, you know, enemy fighters and enemy, you know, missile launchers and that sort of thing. Yeah, no. And that was, that was well done. The the flying sequences, I mean, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, and, and of course that's because one of the, one of the, again, because freaking Tom Cruise and his, you know, by the power of Xenu, I have the power. Like he hit one of the contingencies for him doing the flick was that there would be minimal CGI. So when they're, when they're showing people in the cockpit, like they were throwing those actors in the cockpit and flying and getting their reactions 
in a plane. Like not a plane that they're sitting on the ground with a blue screen behind it that they're jiggling the cockpit around. Like they're they're actually putting them up there and having them fly real maneuvers and and do dialogue and sight lines and all that, which was fascinating to read, like kind of like how they did that. And the fact that they would they had to have like all the cameras set up in there mm-hmm. and the actors were responsible for starting and stopping the cameras themselves. Because yeah. of course they're in the cockpit, the the backseat cockpit by themselves. Mm-hmm. there's no one there to like yeah, there's no little clapboard like and take you know it's like nope it's them yeah and and there's no direct feed it's not like they're the director's able to so they'd send them up for like an hour and a half to do all this work come down and then they'd have to watch the footage and see if they got it which Crazy. i'm like what an absurd way to make a movie but at the same time like yeah. absurdly cool as well you know, oh, so I, I appreciate the fact that like just the madness of that, like, yeah. OK, of, and of course, Tom Cruise with his alien energy, just holding all that together <laughs> makes total sense, <laughs> makes total sense. I tell you, um, nice. I nice. do. I do. I did like the fact that they brought the F-14 back in at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will admit I was a, I was one of those kids. I had like all the airplane books and all that stuff, all the fighter jet books. And to this day, you know have way too much of information in my brain from those days that is just like tattooed on my, you know, on my <laughs> cerebral cortex. And the F-14 was always like my favorite fighter yeah. jet. It just looked cool. Like the mm-hmm. variable sweep wings, the dual engines, it just looked badass because it was just like, it was like bulky. And, but yet you knew that thing went so, like double the speed of sound. It was just this, this thing where it just looked mean, you know, I right. love that. Um, so to get, to kind of get that one last ride in the F 14 to me, was just like, perfect. Like, yes. Okay. This is, this is the way this, this is the way the character should go down, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and, and I'll say this about the story too. I mean, I was pretty much convinced that part of the story was just going to be Mavericks dying. You know, like, like, like have it be a balance to what happened to Goose and have it be, you know, something where Rooster comes out the other side and, you know, understands Maverick better through, you know, whatever they went through and all this sort of thing. So I was, I was actually surprised that he made it back. I was, I was pretty much convinced. Uh, and, and they did a little bit of setting that up, you know, in, in the movie, you know, they, they were trying to lead you down that path, but I think that was kind of the beauty of the story is you could see it being one of those things where, you know, he, you know, Goose died, you know, as they were doing a training mission and, you know, Maverick dies in service of, you know, trying to save his son. And, and I, I could totally see that play out. Um, glad they didn't do it. Glad it, it was, you know, kind of a, in, in a different direction, but, but it was interesting that you had, you know, you didn't really know where it was going to go. And, and I think that that is usually a sign of a good story because if you can't predict it, then you have to sit back and just let it kind of, you know, just experience it and just let it wash over you and just kind of see where the, where the author, where the producer takes you and, and, and the director. And they just, I, I think they did a masterful job with it. Yeah. Now I do want to point out, um, <laughs> there is an insane in uh what the where did it go you've got to be kidding me so what <laughs> all right so i clicked on a permalink for uh imdb and it then it, this thing has now disappeared awesome but anyway i remember enough of it that i will idiotically uh 
mash my way through this. And people can go to the IMDb trivia page for Top Gun Maverick and read it for themselves. But apparently there is a theory, and I think this was on Vulture uh, was the reference for it, uh, where the entire the reason that everything is so heightened and, and so kind of crazy is that the entire movie or, or four-fifths of the movie is uh, Maverick's death dream. That at the beginning, when when the plane breaks up, when he's testing the plane, it goes Mach 10, and the plane breaks up, Maverick is, actually dies there. And that the remainder of the movie is basically like his dream as he's dying. Oh, interesting. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of the reconciliation with Rooster, mm-hmm. why he ends up flying the mission, why the identity of the the, the rogue nation is not revealed because it's not important and all this thing and everything ends happily ever after. And he winds up with, you know, this girl that he's been kind of like dancing in and out of a relationship with for apparently years now. Um, there's the reason why everyone goes home happy is because, you know, Maverick. Maverick, he did, and this is like how he's his he's like his life is flashing before his eyes, and this is how he's reconciling it. So, uh, it's bat spit insane, and I'm sure that is not the case. But it's it's an inter- it's one of those things that afterwards it's like it's interesting how people can weave these theories together from the the movie, uh, which is always interesting. But it's, it is uh, it is it's a little bit tinfoil hat for my taste. Um, so uh, now I think we need to get to a, a third objective. Uh, which is which kind of fits for the movie because of course we had the two miracles, but then of course the thing that Maverick had talked about is that getting everybody home. So the uh-huh. third objective here is: did everyone make it home? Are, are, do we feel like the characters made a journey? Do we f- are we happy with where everyone ends up in the at the end of the movie? Is it a satisfying conclusion for the characters and where those characters are at the end of the flick? What do you think, sir? I think so. I, um, you know, I, I don't think they could serve. Well, I, I think they could, I think everyone made it home from a main to semi main character perspective. There were some characters, you know, some of the folks on, on the, on the flight squad who were part of it, but just really didn't have much of a, I think a story impact, you know, I don't think anything yeah. really happened there, but but I feel like, uh, you know, you saw some parallels with at the end, you know, Hangman and uh, and Rooster, you know, similar to Iceman and Maverick. Um, you know, you saw obviously we already talked about Maverick and Rooster and their sort of reconciliation, um, you know, his situation with Penny and, and just that kind of future that that, you know, he's kind of laying for himself with you know, with, with kind of settling down and, and, you know, stabilizing a little bit, you know, I, I think they kind of addressed a lot of the main things and, and left, um, left these characters in, in a really good place, um, uh, you know, from, a, you know, just in terms of relationships and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I, you know, they couldn't address everything, but, but I think, you know, I, I think the primary, you know, and, and kind of crucial sort of relationships are, are addressed. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I think they did, you know, kind of land the bird, so to speak, and, and, and do it in, in a really, um, satisfying way and in an emotional way. Um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, especially the, the hug with Maverick and Rooster where he thanks him for saving his life. And, you know, he, he makes the comment, he's like, well, I, I, I did what my dad would have done, you know? And, and I mean, it, it, you know, again, it just kind of carried that emotional weight, um, 
you know, and, and that hug that they had at the end was just, you know, you, you just felt it, you know what I mean? Like they found a way to kind of pull you in, you know, to, and, and let your guard down a little bit and, and, and feel, you know, kind of the emotion behind it. And that, that says something about, about, you know, the story and, and the way the story was presented. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I feel it, it was, it was a good, uh, return to, a character uh, and some of the characters from the first movie, I, I think they brought them full circle. Um, didn't have to get into a lot of exposition, you know, like there, there wasn't a whole explanation with between Maverick and Rooster about his, you know, his mom not wanting to fly. And here's the reason why I, you know, I kept your papers. So you, you lost four years and all this sort of thing, you know, from the Navy, you didn't need it. You know what I mean? Like, like, like mm-hmm. you didn't need all that extra stuff. Um, you, you just needed, they, they figured out what the audience was really going to need to see and hear from these characters. And I, and I think they really presented a very focused story, uh, very, very, uh, succinct story. And, and really, um, I mean, even though it went over two hours, I mean, it was like, it didn't feel like two hours, you know what I mean? It, it, it went no. by quick and, and you felt like you were on a ride and, and, and it was, uh, you know, in those flying scenes, I mean, I caught myself a couple of times, like, you know, I'm gripping the edge of my, my, you know, theater seat, you know, like I'm, I'm it's like, I'm not flying this thing. Why am I tense? You know, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I'm in a recliner goose. as a matter of fact, talk to me goose. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I think they stuck the landing on this uh, big time with, with all the characters. Yeah. And by the way, before I forget, uh, uh, Charles Parnell as Admiral Solomon Warlock Bates, not Cyclone Warlock. Oh, so I, I want to make love sure that name Warlock. Very oh, nice. So good. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I, I made uh, Mr. Parnell got his due because uh, he was he was great. If only just for some of those some of the delivery of those lines, like they're called orders, Maverick. Like, oh, <laughs> just way to just take the piss right out of him. That was great. Um yeah, I I agree. I I like where we kind of get uh, some closure with the original cast of characters. Again, it's not surprising that Kelly McGinnis didn't really get any closure because uh, you know Tom Cruise definitely at the head of this, and maybe he's still holding the grudge, or maybe they're just like, hey, that was just a fling, and and we'll leave it at that. Um, the interesting thing is, apparently, uh, the character of Charlie was based on a a real. Uh, woman who was a consultant and actually became i i believe she ended up becoming the highest ranking woman in the u.s navy i think she was like she wound up as like uh like an interim deputy director of the navy or something like that Mm -hmm. like she, she ended up becoming very very high up in the ranks but that was her thing like um she 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 was known for wearing high heels and and so like when she would be walking around she was like everybody knows i'm coming because i'm the only one who's he who's whose shoes around here make noise you know yeah because um, yeah. so i thought that was interesting uh but we find out you know goose's mom had passed away so you know rooster's Ryan, mom. Uh, rooster's mom i'm sorry who was i saying goose's mom goose? Go- well yeah i mean chances are goose's mom is gone as well so you know uh, grandmother goose, I guess at that point, uh, RIP, uh, to the fictional person. Anyways, um, <laughs> gosh, that's a concern. <laughs> this will concurrently make your situation better. 
<laughs> exactly. I was like, I was like going the that was like the Chucky school of genealogy right there. That's that's what that is. And she begat. <laughs> Actually, that was a that's more uh that's more uh like um Morgan Morgan side business instead right. of like a, yeah. instead of twenty what twenty three and me. It's like Morgan going, eh, <laughs> you're related to a bunch of jerks, you know. <laughs> That's, um, that's fantastic oh my gosh where were they going with this oh yeah so we got closure with rooster's mom finding mm-hmm. out that she's passed away yeah you get closure with Iceman, um which was done very well i i think that it was great that they 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 got a scene in with him and and also oh, yeah. did it in a way that kind of served the story mm-hmm. uh really gave a lot of background on on because there is like that there's a lot of things that you can excuse in these movies mm-hmm. that you're like that would never happen in real life. Like you, you would be, you'd be in jail. You wouldn't be flying planes. You'd be in jail. Right. Um, right. And the only, the only plane you'd be near is the plane they're using to fly you to the prison that you're going to. And, uh, you know, but using, using Iceman as a reason why he can still be where he is because mm-hmm. he's just got a friend in that high of a place that can keep pulling him out of the fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was great. By the way, also, uh, Val Kilmer's voice was done totally AI. Yes. I had read something about that a while back, like because uh, of what he'd been going through that they've developed, you know, kind of a, a you know, a, I don't know what to call it, a service or a, uh, component or something like that that can yeah produce basically use his voice but produce words that he's trying to say through the recorded you know tones of his voice from the past which is pretty cool yeah which is horrible though when you just to think about someone who who was was a in his in his roles was such an eloquent speaker Mm -hmm. you know even Mm -hmm. with very few words and now the fact that that's you know that's where he's at but i mean it's still great that he was able to to have a part in this movie yeah, um, and kind of a big part too, really. When you come down to it, oh yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, of course, you know, you kind of you round the bend with with Maverick, and he ends up all happy and stuff. And um, it was actually nice. Uh, again, comparing it to to uh, the original Top Gun, it was kind of nice to have him with a co star that he had chemistry with. So you know, him and Jennifer Connelly must have gotten along, you know, swimmingly. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do like how, you know, even though, <laughs> and I guess a. Uh, to bring it back to to Miss McGinnis again, uh, the reason they never even reached out to her, and she's like, "Well," and they were like, "Well, why do you think that was?" She says, "Well, I think I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but she's like, I'm I'm older, I'm old now, and I'm not in that shape, and I'm I'm I look the I look my age essentially." <laughs> Jeez. and it's like, Ugh. um, which is true. Uh, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Uh, because Hollywood is, uh, is, is jerkish like that. Uh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. however, it was nice to see the relationship with, uh, with Penny and Maverick be somewhat more adult, you know, yeah. and, and kind yeah. of have uh, granted not fully because I mean, Hey, it's still a freaking movie and fighter pilots and chuckles and all that stuff, but I've you fallen know, for you, Maverick. Yeah. I mean, there is that element of it where, She's almost like, don't start this crap with me again. All right. I got enough on my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, but I, I do like how it does. It feels a little more mature, even though it does devolve into like, oh, by the way, you got to sneak out the window uh, sort of thing, which was good for a chuckle, at least, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but no, I, I really did. I felt like everybody, like they did, they landed the plane and everyone kind of ended up in the, in the place where you were hoping they would. And it, you know, the funny thing is, so I, a good thing to bring in here is both you and I, uh, had, had like date days, mm-hmm. uh, with our, with our wives and we, you know, the romantic fellas that we are, we took our wives to see Top Gun because, you know, who needs roses and chocolates when you got Tom Cruise and, and his and his alien powers uh, to go and witness in the theater? That's right. So, uh, you know, my wife, oh, my gosh, like at the very end when it, it's just like you get like the endless loop of the and all the there's like the 10 minute cheering going on in the flight deck, which would never happen for that long of a duration uh you know and there everyone's you know palling around and high fives and salutes to the crow's nest and you know all the stuff that's going on and she's just leaning over she's like this is so cheesy (laughs) oh my god this is so cheesy she's like there ought to be a rating they ought to let you know ahead of time like this is an eight on the cheese scale and i'm like good lord and i'm just like shush woman Josh, I'm I'm watching Tom Cruise and his Xenu alien powers just woo the audience. <laughs> I don't know. That's not exactly what I said. I'm pretty sure there was a shush involved, uh, which I will pay for later, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> you know, uh, damn well I am going to pay yes, for it. Yes, you will. Yes, um, you will. But the funny thing is, after all of that, she's she's still. I I asked her. I was like, "What would you rate this movie on a scale of one to ten? And she gave it a seven. Nice, like a, a solid seven. It didn't really even think about it that long. That long, and I'm like, uh, considering how you know how uh, effusive where you were with your criticism of the 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 sheer amount of cheese at the end of the movie, I'm kind of surprised it. it I give it, it a mozzarella to, rating. <laughs> yeah, I was I was surprised it didn't. You know, you, I, I I thought the ceiling was like six. I thought that's as high as she would go, and she surprised me with a seven. So um, nice. I personally, as she asked me then, I was like, oh, I I'd probably give it an eight. That was where I came out on the on the thing. So, uh, I, but I did ask you uh, to to check with uh, Mrs. Uh, the man they call Tim and and find out where she would rate it and how did she rate uh, this on a scale of one to ten? Uh, the text I got back was a solid eight. Wow! And where would you where would you put yourself? Um, I think I put myself at 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 a solid eight as well. I I you know I don't think it was. Uh, I, it was definitely a very strong outing, um, surprised me, like I said, uh, strong story, strong characters. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not at that level that, that I would put at a nine or a 10, but I would say it is a strong movie and I would recommend it. I mean, I was chatting with my parents, uh, the last night and, you know, they were asking me about it and I, I forgot to text them today, but I was going to say, oh yeah, you should go see this. It's actually pretty good. I think you'd like it, you know, sort of thing. Um, cause we, you know, we're talking about it. So yeah, I, I would recommend this to, to other folks, whether they are, you know, knowledgeable fans or, or not knowledgeable. I, it, it, it just, it's a great, it's a great movie, great story, great action, uh, and and just uh, is very well done, and, uh, and and I think is yeah is definitely a an improvement upon the first one. So, so Solid. unlike unlike the people in my Facebook feed, you don't consider this to be the greatest movie you've ever seen. Do not consider it to be that. No, it, it was. Do you consider it to be life changing? Uh, no. Are you considering becoming a, a naval aviator? Um, possibly. No. Maybe buying an ultralight off of Amazon. 
Not quite. Because Patrick has, has been researching that, and I keep telling him he needs to get himself like a, a, a tent so he can get out of the office first <laughs> before he can get an ultralight because he doesn't have a place to park an ultralight because he doesn't understand the concept of, oh my gosh. of where you where you would store such a a contraption. Um, have you are are you considering a a um, a uh, conversion to Scientology? I uh, no. Okay, so the alien powers didn't quite hit you full on that no i uh, you know for alien powers i just kind of uh, stick to my star wars uh, okay so you're not planning on grabbing a grabbing an umbrella and standing out in front of your house by the power of xenu i uh, have no okay no sorry. Well, maybe actually i mean let's let's face it another couple bourbons tonight and that might happen anyways <laughs> which would be great because then people will be like i'm gonna try i'm gonna talk to the hoa about you and you're like i'm the president <laughs> By the power vested in me, feel my alien power wrath. That's Put on right. some pants, would you? Never. Oh, good lord! <laughs> good lord! And another thing. All right, sir. What have you got for and another thing this episode? Well, I've already kind of talked through it a little bit, but uh, it is uh, not the event, but the 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 main event match from uh, this. 2022 offering of WWE Hell in a Cell from, uh, I believe, the beginning of the month or end of May. I forget exactly when it was. But uh, main event was uh, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins uh, in in the cell. And uh, highly recommend if you are a fan of wrestling, check this one out. Uh, great psychology, as we talked about, uh, with, uh, with Cody fighting with a very physically visible uh pectoral tear um just the bruising around his his uh arm kind of armpit area i mean it just it just looks awful and and anytime rollins went after it i mean they they just had the crowd eating out of their hands it was such a well done match um uh to to the point as i mentioned earlier where i feel like this this we'll, we'll look back at this match as being one of the the touchstones that really make his legacy and and really elevate him just to that that level that his father operated at you know not, not that he uh you know could could meet or exceed what dusty Rhodes did because dusty Rhodes is just in a class all his own but but cody is on his way to definitely just establishing his own legacy um and and is just had a just a heck of a run since he's come back to wwe so highly recommend you check out the american nightmare cody rhodes versus seth freaking rollins hell in the cell you will not be disappointed sir and one of the things that you missed in this and i'm kind of surprised you didn't point out was uh seth rollins wearing the dusty Rhodes polka dots yes ring attire that is as a a jab at dusty's uh at a dust Cody's dad. Yes. I was, I, I was going through every member of the Rhodes family. Dusty. <laughs> no, Dustin. Uh, duh, Jed. Um, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> yes. No, you, no you're right. Yeah. Seth, Seth's character right now is just this sort of insane kind of, you know, he calls himself the visionary and he's just kind of this, this over the top character, but he is just really entertaining and fun and just fun to watch. And yeah, so he comes down and he just tries to find ways to needle his opponent. And this time it was wearing the, the, the yellow and black polka dots of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes WWE run. And uh, uh, Cody was not happy. So, um, but, uh, 
but he 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 definitely got his vengeance in the match and and uh, at, at one point brought out the old uh, bull rope and and cowbell and yeah you know, they, they they had themselves a little mini strap match in the middle of it and and the cowbell was employed so <laughs> oh my gosh now did, did Cody manage to dig out the bionic elbow at all I uh, no, I don't think he did. he he was throwing the you know he was only utilizing his left arm so he was throwing the left jabs. I don't think there was a bionic elbow at any point. Yeah, which oh my gosh, some of that stuff is just funny. The oh, just the gosh. idea that there are these certain moves that are just that much more painful because they are that move yeah. in wrestling is just kind of funny to me. That's always amusing. Although. What is funnier still, if you go back, if you find, uh, I'll have to see if I can find the YouTube link for you, but when the Dudley boys came back to WWE in 2014, they were feuding with the new, like they came down and started a feud with the New Day, which just tells you like how long the New Day's been around because that was like eight years ago. <laughs> so yeah. that's crazy. But um, but at one point when when they're, you know, the crowd's going crazy that they're back and they're, you know, beating up on the new, the new Day were heels at the time. So they're beating up on the New Day and the crowd's loving it. And Bubba Ray goes into this, you know, doing the old Rhodes jabs, does the bionic elbow flippy thing where he kind of spins, you know, his fists. And then he does the, and before he does the bionic elbow, he works in a Stan Hansen, you know, he throws up the old, you know, throw, throws up the uh, hook'em, you know, horns, uh, and and lets <laughs> lets off a Stan Hansen yell, and then and then pops him with the bionic elbow. So that that was just a great like double, uh, you know, sort sort of a shout out to two great legends. So, anyways, oh I just thought goodness. that was funny. That was great. And what is your end another thing, sir? Well, I had a couple lined up here, um, but this one kind of took over my weekend, honestly. So I, I figured it was worth mentioning. Um, uh, I've, I've been on a bit of a book buying tear because I realized my to read pile had gotten dangerously low. And so I, I purchased uh, uh, several books and this was one of them. And I, I was just kind of flipping through tr- trying to find something new to read and um, I had a couple of nonfiction books and I was like, ah, I've, I've, I feel like I've been reading a lot of nonfiction. I'm still working my way through the Neil uh, Gaiman book that you were so, uh, so gracious to send to me, which is uh, The View from the Cheap Seats, mm-hmm. which is a collection of nonfiction writing and is excellent. Um, however, after a while, I was like, I need a story. <laughs> I just need a good story. And so I picked this one out and I thought, oh, this, uh, we'll see how this goes. This, this might actually suck. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, then I ended up inhaling it over the course of about two and a half days. Uh, and it, I just, I could not put this book down until I finished it last night. Um, and it was a hell of a ride and it is called Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter by <laughs> Seth Graham Smith. Nice. Now, as, as you might know by my recommendations of for all mankind, I, I, I kind of enjoy a, a good, uh, alternate history, uh, yarn, if you will. Uh, but this is basically the premise that uh, Abraham Lincoln was a uh, he was a vampire hunter, as well as being the 16th president of the United States. And um, it's it's a it's a great it's a great overall concept. I won't spoil like kind of how it's framed or or just how the story uh, itself flows. But it is it is very well written. Uh, mm-hmm. It ties in with enough historical, uh, you know, um, milestones and characters to to feel like it fits in there and like it's like oh okay and uh, granted i didn't go through and and research 
every single point because I'm not reading it for that. Uh, but it, there was enough there that I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know that character. I know that person. I know that. Oh, the, oh, yep, this event happened. I'm like, OK, there's enough there that it ties in with my historical knowledge. And I'm like, OK, it's legit enough for me to then read it and and to kind of believe the universe that it's setting itself up in. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. It's just a, it's a very I mean, it, you know, it's a vampire book, but it doesn't get there are parts of it that get, you know, a little bit in more into the horror end of the genre. But overall, it's just a it's a it's a it's a fun read nice. um, to try and to, to kind of a picture, you know, honest Abe as, you know, going around chopping up vampires. <laughs> Yeah, as honest Abe has been uh, want to do. <laughs> yeah, and I—I I mean, I guess there's been a movie of it, uh, a movie made out of the book. I've not seen that. I, mm. um, ironically enough, the the DVD uh, for the book <laughs> for that movie is actually about half the price of the book, um, <laughs> which I don't know if that of course it bodes is. well for it. Uh, but I would highly recommend the I would highly recommend the book. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a it was a blast to read. It was a fun yarn. And nice. um, like I said, I, I had difficulty putting it down. I, I inhaled this book in about it's a 330 some odd pages. Wow. Took it down in about two and a half, two and a half days. Um, nice. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Very cool. I think I'll have to check that out. Well, depending on how the, uh, the real jabroni goes, perhaps that'll get included in a, in a shipment out to you. Ah, very nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached that time of the show. No, it's not the time when we go back and correct all the stuff that we got wrong this episode, because <laughs> screw that. That's too much work. Uh, no, the time of the show when we finally pack up our traveling medicine show of idiocy and uh, venture on forth down the road, back to real life, back to our real jobs and real responsibilities. Yes, Yes, we actually have responsibilities, as frightening as that is. I, I know. Believe me, every day I wake up and I'm just as shocked that anybody trusts me to do anything beyond get out of bed. Just as much as you are. Uh, but we have now, uh, our time is drawing to a close, so this is the time of the show where we like to well, just extend a hearty thank you to all the, all the listeners and all the members of the Free Range ADC congregation for uh, for coming here and tuning in and listening and downloading and, and sharing this with others. And if you're confused right now, maybe you don't even know what you're listening to, in which case, hey, you know, thanks for the listen anyways and move along. Uh, if, if you're curious what the congregation is, uh, no, we don't believe in uh, aliens and all that stuff. I mean, unless that's your thing, that's whatever. But it's not contingent upon being part of the Free Range's uh, congregation. Basically, just gotta, gotta download our our stuff. That's all it is. That's all it is. We're a very low bar to hop over, uh, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to get over ourselves. Um, again, we have got we've got bad knees as well. Did I mention that bad knees? That's another reason why we're not in the Top Gun movie. There's no way our, our knees would stand up or to the G's that we would MLM, need. Small MLM, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> small it's a very humble mlm that we haven't managed to figure out how to make any damn money off of it's, it's like the worst of all mlm mlms like even the people at the top aren't making any money we it's just a complete failure on all fronts really it's like pampered chef with a no util, utility and money involved whatsoever. how do we scale this up yeah there's no downline managers it's just 
Oh, it's just a mess. It's a mob, basically. It's a mob mentality. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you'd like to join, you know, hey, uh, don't say we didn't warn you. Uh, You can find all of our episodes at our uh, website, which is freerangeadc.com. You can find all the episodes there. You can also subscribe directly through the Podbean app. You can also find us on the podcast purveyors of your choice, the major of which are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are also on... uh, we're on uh, Alexa, I believe now. We're on Spotify. I just uh, I, I got us hooked up on a bunch of other ones this week because I apparently have nothing better to do with my life um, except foist our idiocy upon the world. Uh, but if you if you don't find us on the podcast purveyor of your choice, uh, what you do is you send an email to Tim at freerangeadc.com and uh, let him know where you want the podcast to be, and I'll see if I can hook that up for you. Uh, same with if you got any questions, thoughts, or concerns, any outright offers of bribery, those would be fan friggin' tastic because again, we don't make dollar one off of this. It'd be nice to start churning a little cash off of this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you know, if you got complaints suggestions for shows send those to tim at freerangeadc.com as well and he'll get back to you for with uh where with uh, forthwith uh come hither i don't know my brain is shutting down because right now we are hurtling towards midnight getting late folks <laughs> and it's it's oh my gosh the man they called tim was in that hoa meeting for way too long um and yeah my brain is pull shot. the cord goose pull the cord yeah yeah so, uh, and you can also follow us on the social medias. We are at Free Range ADC on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and the Facebook. Uh, make sure you follow us, like us, uh, mm-hmm. mash that subscribe button, uh, whatever the kids mm-hmm. say to do. We're not on the TikTok, so because you don't need to see us. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and we don't even know how the damn TikTok works, and I just don't have the patience for my daughter to explain it to me. <laughs> I, I get lost. Um, but. Now we finally come to the time of the show where I stop talking, and that ought to be a relief to everybody, including myself, because I'm not even sure what my name is anymore. I'm that tired at this point. Uh, But I hand this over to the man they call Tim, the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show, but not before I ask the second most important question in all of human history. The first, of course, being what is hip. The second being, what the hell did we learn this episode? Uh, We have learned the following, my friend. Ah, talk to me, Goose. Ah, Uncle Todd, he's flummoxed by milk duds and jujubes. I'm not flummoxed. I'm just like actually adhered to you know this like <laughs> naugahyde freaking seat. That was the other thing. So we went to the we went to this theater and they didn't even have like the the recliners. It was like old school. I went I went in there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like in a third world country all of a sudden. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's like the dark ages we're going in here. It's like you're the Thurston Howell the third of like theater viewing or something. It's like, lovey, lovey, they don't have my seat. <laughs> they didn't even have the good seltzer here. How dare they? Oh, oh, and another thing. So my wife, I, I don't, I just don't buy stuff from the concession stand mm-hmm. movie theaters. I, I, because quite honestly, I got to put gas in, in, a, in like the least fuel efficient vehicle on the planet so i'm definitely not buying a concession my wife though wanted her some popcorn and and water and not Mm -hmm. even like the fancy water that you know they say comes from a spring even though it just comes from a tap somewhere Mm -hmm. so she got she got like just a a a cup of tap water and ice 14 fracking dollars for popcorn and tap water yeah oh my gosh yeah, so that that has me more flummoxed than the than the stuff that I was adhered to. Okay, 
if you want to go with with true flamoxity. <laughs> oh, it is getting close to midnight. <laughs> flamoxity yeah. has been whipped out. Here we go. Oh, um, yeah. We have also learned, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the wrestling world is having a bit of a rough May-June time frame here. It's, it's, it's turbulent. Turbulent people. I, th- I think Vince ro- drove over a black cat or something on the way to Titan Towers Probably. one day. Something that, something. I mean, you know what? I, I can't even think of what he might have done. You know what? I don't want to think of what he did because, again, I'm, I'm going to need to wipe myself down with a wet nap afterwards <sighs> just trying to think of that. Yeah, we, <laughs> sorry, Vince. We're not in this together with you. We're not. No. No. Sweet no, no. Moses, you stay no. way the hell over there. I'm staying way the hell over here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we've also learned the man they called him, not a fan of Take My Breath Away. Take my breath away. Oh, God. Thank you for that. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Oh, my gosh. That synth sound, too. That, that yeah. was, that's been one of the disturbing things over the past years is listening to the 80s like synths and, and kind of like 80s music make a comeback. I'm like, no, I thought we all agreed that that's just... That, that's better off gone. I thought we'd all agreed on this. I thought we were going to skip right from disco to grunge and just yeah. forget any of that ever happened. I but apparently not. No. Uh, apparently not. No. Uh, we've also learned uh, Talk to Me Goose will be the man they call Tim's new call sign for Uncle Todd. Talk I'm just saying. How many? That It must have been at least a half dozen times in the movie. <laughs> That was the one thing about that movie that really did start getting getting me after a while. I'm like, okay, we get it. You're you're. It's like I, I, I was waiting for Goose to show. I was waiting for Goose to show up, like mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards to show up as a force ghost. That's what I was waiting for. I mean, we've already got them going down the the Death Star trench. Yeah, we've already. That's I mean, true. we're already there. Why not all of a sudden? Hey, Mav. <gasps> Goose. He's all blue and glowy and stuff. There you go. I mean, uh, why not? Got to make why that not? happen. Got to make that oh. happen. And finally, uh, we have learned uh, Top Gun Maverick has the free-range idiocy stamp of approval, two thumbs up, five-star match rating, whatever you want to call it. We're we're endorsing this through and through. Strong story, strong character, strong outing. Do check it which out. Is, which is not great. That was back like when when Ted Kennedy endorsed Bill Clinton, and Clinton was like, "Please, Ted, just just don't say anything. I don't need your help. I need a wet nap." So, somewhere, Tom Cruise is like, "Oh, those idiots are recommending me. Great, I'm dead. I'm done. The movie's done. People are going to be demanding refunds. Uh, what have you done to me? Just uh, don't help me. That's all I'm asking for." Indeed. He's, well, he's going to send his Xenu alien powers to get us. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I guess that's the other thing we learned is the power of Xenu is a thing. <laughs> At least in my mind it is. That's how I square it. I don't know. Of I didn't course. pay all the money to move up the, move up the ranks. I'm just oh. taking a guess. Well, with all that, folks, uh, we thank you again as Uncle Todd is already I love how after you just, you just go, go completely off the rails and you're just like, with all that being said, yeah. <laughs> Like the fact that any of this has made any sense. You're you're the calm hand on the wheel of this ship that's just being dragged to hell. Indeed. I, and thank God for that, sir. God bless you for that. <laughs> With all that being said. <laughs> oh. Forthwith. Forth. Keep your keep your ears to the grindstone. All right. Oh. As we like to close. 
Well, and, and as I was trying to say, thank you for the listenership. Thank you for the downloads. But as we close, uh, or as we like to close, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And uh, since Uncle Todd is all out of milk duds and jujubes, would you please hit the lights on the way out? It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Do it. You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out and don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. And listen, Margaret, if you put up them purple drapes again, we're coming for you. And I'm telling you, I'm the president of the HOA. Had That's right. No more. The line is drawn here. Yeah. There are four lights. <laughs> and there should only be three. You hear me, Louie? You oh. hear me, Louie? Four lights out front. You got three. You got a new light bulb. I'm telling you. Otherwise, you're out of here. This is quite the cornucopia of, of cultural references we've gone through. It's It's been Ghostbusters, Wrestling, Top Gun, Picard. <laughs> and where's, where's my tribute? <laughs> Want that Zenu. bottle of old- Old Forester on my doorstep tomorrow morning. <laughs> Otherwise, there might be something extra under your lawnmower. <laughs>